2150 designs for bush set shop tables, shelves, costly gates and pistols, kept for bees, made standing of platform 11. 2155 to Bristol, platform 11. Wait, we don't want to go to Worcester. We want to go to the cool room. Most specifically, episode 119 of the cool room, featuring our friend Casper from Ale Farm in Denmark. Uh, folks, we have an excellent episode coming up with you, uh, coming up for you today. Even if I do say so myself, it was a great chat, ably assisted by my good friend Warren Wu and an all-star cast of friends in the cool room, Zoom room on a Saturday night. Um, just a couple of little quick notes from your host, David Griffiths, before we fire up with that interview. Uh, I just wanted to say a big thank you to everyone who's been supporting the podcast by uh, liking the podcast and rating and reviewing it on their podcast platforms and by making sure that they're following us on Instagram and Facebook so that they can keep up to date with other live events that we have coming up. Um, we've sold out a whole heap of the tasting packs for future events, so a reminder of the importance of getting in quickly and becoming a monthly pack subscriber is the simplest way to make sure that you never miss out on the beers that are going to be coming up. So on the 10th of February, we're going to be featuring Future Mountain from Victoria. Uh, there are still some packs left for that. On the 17th, it's uh, St. Bernardus from Belgium. That's sold out. On the 24th of Feb is Temple Brewing from Melbourne, and that's sold out. Uh, and then on the 27th of February, we're going to be featuring Buttons Brewery from Tasmania. And there should still be some packs for that floating around by the time that this podcast goes out. Um, so, yeah, please do make sure that you um, get involved and help support the production costs and Zoom costs and everything by grabbing some of those packs and that's what helps us to get such awesome guests on the show, just like Casper, who we're going to talk to right now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Cool Room. Tonight, we are very, very honoured to have Casper uh, from Owl Farm all the way from, from, I'm suspecting, cold and wintry Denmark, the complete uh, opposite to what we have here in in sunny warm melbourne today um hello casper how are you going hello hello nice to be on the show again welcome uh, and back. yes it's thank you so much uh it's um it's more windy actually than oh. uh, than anything else it doesn't even snow yet it that'll that'll it'll start snowing later this year but uh it used to be at this time when it snowed at least when i was uh a child, but that's many years ago. That has changed apparently. But now it's just very, very windy. So much so that our um, handmade wooden sign outside the brewery has been knocked over by the wind. So oh. now it's cracked. Yes. So that's a uh, that that's a bit sad. I need to fix the sign. So yep, it's very windy here. Um, how does I'm going to jump straight into a beer question because it's just too tempting not to. How does the cold weather change your thoughts and uh, your beer brewing? Um, that's a immediate beer question right off the cuff. I'm not even going into introductions. We'll save that for a little bit later. But yeah, as with the impending uh, snow and cold weather, what does it? What 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 things does that bring in terms of your brewing? Yeah, good question, because it does affect it. 
uh, that's the that's the underlying mm. thing. It definitely affects it. Um, for us, we're I guess it's a it's a classical thing, traditional thing, maybe even I don't know. But for us, when whenever it starts to to get darker and and colder and more snowy and apparently more windy, <laughs> um, <laughs> we we start to brew darker beers. So we brew um, uh-huh. more stouts, more imperial stouts, and we even have a barley wine coming up that's supposed to be released in, uh, what will it be, middle of next month, I uh-huh. suspect. So, uh, so while we still do brew IPAs and, uh, and, 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 th- and stuff, we, we, we tend to, when it gets darker and colder, brew more uh, darker beers, yeah. There's and an, another question is: Does it change the mechanics of what you do in the brewery? Like, does the colder weather change what you have to keep an eye on? I know, like, like in terms of, um, I don't know, uh, anything from from taking in orders to uh, like taking in in any deliveries you have to to like the actual brewing process itself and how it changes that. Well, good question. I mean, it's a very practical. Hmm. Uh, answer, I guess, because you, you know when when Christmas comes and and New Year's uh, is on and everything, um, most people at the brewery, well, I guess everyone except me, um, are off. They're off for the holidays and stuff. So so the activity at the brewery uh, uh, is uh, is temporarily stalled. We mm-hmm. still have beer in tank during this period, but we don't turn out as. Uh, as many beers as we as we otherwise would sure. so so it's a very practical uh, circumstance that once we reach the, the the period of christmas and new years and 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 so on that the activity um slows down. Uh, lessens a bit yeah. yes yeah all right so so back back on track now um we'll steer this ship back on course so the brewery itself um a lot of our a lot of our listeners would would know know you from last time we spoke to you but but can you give us a picture of the the brewery you have in in Denmark of course a lot of a lot of our listeners in Melbourne have unfortunately haven't had the opportunity to visit and um yeah what can they expect when they they come see you well um well first of all uh, they can expect a broken sign but uh, maybe I'll have that. <laughs> Maybe, maybe I'll have that fixed one once uh, once people get here. I certainly hope so. <laughs> no, uh, we can bring you some. We can bring you some paint from Australia. It's a very bad yeah. way to yes. do business, but yeah, some paint and some screws and some wood. That would be nice. <laughs> it's it's only twenty. Like there's if there if we could get direct flights to Copenhagen, it's twenty hours and thirty minutes. Um, yeah, but but uh, Singapore Airways has a three-hour stopover, so there you go. It's just twenty-four hours away. We'd be right. Yeah, it's just twenty-four. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's not that bad, I guess, or maybe it is. But yeah, that's that's traveling. No, um, you can you can expect for 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 the brewery to um. Well, it's situated uh, in the corner of an industrial area in a very green corner. So so that's very nice. We have um trees and 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 a nice lawn and 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 bushes and 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 everything um so it's situated uh on the outskirts of this industrial area that is located in a city called grave which is uh, just outside copenhagen yep. especially by australian uh, standards uh in in 
in Denmark, we think of things as being far away from each other if it takes five minutes to drive between them. <laughs> but uh, I guess you're used to uh, to a bit more distance. So so I would yeah. assume that you would think that the brewery is very close to the city. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, yeah, no, it's a nice little place. We have a nice uh, we have a nice uh, office space. First of all, is where we gather for meetings and talking about what. What do we want to brew? What do we want to express? All that stuff uh, in a very um, light and uh, friendly uh, office space. That's always nice, you know. Um, and then the brewery is is um, is in is in the warehouse part of the of the um, of the of the lease um, where we have like what we call a brew room, which is the room where all the fermenters are and the bright tanks and all that stuff, and of course a brew kit. Um, and then immediately uh, next to that is the barrel aging room, we call mm-hmm. it, or the or the front room. But this doesn't make any sense unless you've actually been here. But it's it is the front. It makes sense once you hear the front room. That's where we. Um, that's where yeah. That's where we store the, the the barrels and so on. And then we have a bit of space for pallets and empty cans and bottles and all that stuff. So, and then we have a night about the, the the name of this. We have a very nice uh, big. Uh, cool room uh, for for storing beers uh, cold so that's good excellent um so how have you been since last time we spoke to you so the things things have not dramatic not changed as dramatically as we thought they would have so covid is still unfortunately a thing um you know we're still we're still kind of quite cautious about how we dive into life uh how are things over there? How are things with you? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, uh, I can tell you that recently, very recently, um, in fact, this Tuesday, this week, uh, all restrictions were lifted in Denmark. So, wow. uh, so co- Corona is no more a um, a disease that is a threat to society, or however I should translate that. Um, so, at least not. Uh, if, if, uh, that's not the opinion of the Danish government. So we actually mm. have no um, restrictions anymore. And I have to tell you that 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 was after uh, months without end uh, of restrictions and lockdowns and mm-hmm. not being able to to really go out and all that stuff. It was surreal to experience the reopening of society to stand in a bar without a face mm-hmm. mask and. And we recently, or we had to, uh, previously we had to show these like Corona passports on our phones that would like, uh, oh, yeah, yes. yeah, you know. Yeah, we do the same thing. We get it, yeah. Your vaccination. Yeah. Does, yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah, yeah, all that stuff, right. Um, but all that is gone now. So, so it already feels like Corona is far away and a oh. distant memory, even though it was just Tuesday this week. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, have, so have people so embraced uh, it? Have people just like can you can you feel that people have just gone out and and started and started participating in in all of life? Um, yeah. Is there yes. a sense that? Oh, great. Yes. Yeah. I'd say uh, there's a sense that people. Yes. Have... Excellent. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It is. But I don't know how. How about you guys? But um, I don't know the Australian where, where situation. Good. We're, we're, we're struggling with a little bit of an issue in terms of our healthcare system, not quite holding up the way we'd hope it to. 
Uh, we're really good because everyone has uh, their lot of vaccine uptake. So the first couple of vaccines we've done really well, but um, but yeah, the third booster is still is still rolling out quite slowly. It, there's yeah. issues. There's issues, but uh, last night I was out on a local little strip, which David will know. Oh, were no, you? actually, most of you will know. I saw you on that little strip. <laughs> I saw Jane as well, come to think of it, um, who's also in our court. So on the, there's a there's a little lovely local villagey uh, street called Pino Crescent um, in, in Flemington, and they built a whole bunch of boxes in where the, the parallel parking would be. So there's this row of... of you know how there's normally car parks directly in front of shops, Casper. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah they, they've built up uh, little places where you can sit where those car parks would be. And there was lots of people kind of sitting around in front of our local, our local wine bar kind of takeaway shop, um, just having a, having a drink and a few people wandering around doing takeaways. So it was really lovely. It was a lovely environment in Flemington last night. Um, nice. Yeah, I feel we've. I I think I don't know about the rest of the people in the cool room, but I think we're we're positive, uh, cautious. I think. Oh, really- I tested negative this morning, Warren. What do you mean? <laughs> <Did> you- <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. I'm. I'm impressed. You found a rapid antigen test to to make that happen. Do you know where? Do you know where to get them in Flemington? Where? At the pet shop down near Arden Street, Footy Oval. No, what? No, no, I went. I was at that pet shop today. I've got a cat. Oh, this is this is more podcasting. But I got a cat, and I was at that. Yeah, oh, that's my news. I got a cat. His name is Cheeto. Uh, He's orange. We're still getting used to it. But anyway, Casper. Before before we get into more of your your wonderful story and giving a little bit more background, I thought we should talk about this this beer that we're we're, we're drinking. Um, so we've started off with the Echo uh, yeah. IPA, very much uh, East USA East Coast style of a juicy, round, easy, lush, fluffy, um, but super hoppy uh ipa um can you give us a little bit of a background into into uh the into the echo yeah absolutely i can you have already described it pretty well i'd say using my own words i would say it's like it's a clean and bright expression of our water handling and and dry hopping and everything it it, it really turned out clean and bright this this rendition because what it really is a rendition of is our base ipa our base ipa recipe um that we spent some time uh developing and uh, an echo is an iteration of that i guess you'd say mm-hmm. um and uh yeah it really just is uh is is our way of like creating a light and bright and clean interplay between the 008 uh, yeast, the esters especially, uh, of course, that we really like. We use 008 in, in almost all of our beers and interplay between that and then the uh, the, the hops. Um, so so this is um, this is with Enigma uh, and um, first of all, and that's a very, we don't use Enigma too often, but in this beer, I, I think it, 
uh well i just had corona so i don't know if i can trust my taste buds anymore but uh, <laughs> i think it brings out a sort of uh what's the word in english Min minerality to the uh -huh. to the beer that um that gives it like a a, a, a base mm, sort of earthy foundation and then you have the citra and the simcoe really being the the stars of the hoppy show bringing out you know all the classical flavors of oh. citrus and and uh and I don't know, these tropical medleys of, of fruit. Um, mm -hmm. But I really like the combination with Enigma because it, it, it then gives to the beer, like I think both aspects and an earthy side and, and also a hoppy uh, fruity side. So, so yeah, so this is a, this is a rendition of our base IPA echo. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Um, this, is that your is that a bit of your modus operandi to, to take your base IPA and and kind of um, kind of add the different the different components on and take different components off to create to create the, the what what you're you're looking for. So you start with a base kind of thing and then move move around from there. Yes, yes, I'd say so. It's you know. Um people sometimes tease me and us with the fact that brewers are unable to brew the same beer twice but it's really not because at least in our case because they're unable to it's more it's more of, of a of a question of you know learning and improving mm -hmm. uh and then that go and, and also using different ingredients so it might be um hops from a different uh, crop year and so on so they, they might also physically uh, behave and taste differently um but it's also um, a question of our processes uh, changing with with the equipment we have and the way we approach brewing and stuff. So, so we're always learning, and I think that's um, and I think many brewers, most brewers, if not all brewers, are able to brew the same beer over and over again. But it's the it's the mm -hmm. learning experience and it's the improvement that everyone that I know in this business are so very passionate about. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Did I like? Did I hear you say you just had a corona? Yes. No coronavirus. Yes. I presume you mean. Uh, <laughs> oh, um, I meant the coronavirus. Yes, yes. It's okay. Warren Warren is lives in this magic world. I mean, he's completely unaware of what's happened for the last two and a half years yeah, I, <laughs> to the world. No, well, it could have been a corona, as in the beer, but no, no, no. Yes, I just had it, or just uh, it's like. I don't know, three, three and a half weeks ago. And uh -huh. uh, in, in um, some people say they couldn't even, they didn't even notice that they had it while others say it was quite the right, so yep. to say. Uh, I was, uh, I was a bit under the weather and especially the first day uh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel good. But the next day with Corona, um, I, 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 I kind of, you know, you get tired from watching television, mm -hmm. seriously. And it's like, yes. there are so there are so many movies that are not that great uh, and things I don't want to spend my time watching. So I was like, well, I might as well drink if I have nothing else to do. <laughs> and, and apparently, sadly, long, long-term sense of smell loss. Yeah. Have you, yeah. Felt, have you come across that? Is you... a real, like that's 30 it, or 40% of people that have the virus. I just had it's it for 24 not. hours. I couldn't smell anything, but that was it. But what I, oh. what I did experience while having Corona was that my ability to to taste and sense sugars uh, was affected so beers would taste um would taste off not in a bad way necessarily but they would taste way more uh, 
Yeah, I don't dry, know. Dry, like they taste drier than they would. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, sort of, and and like a bit more stingy, maybe. I don't know. It was it was a, it was a bit off, but still, I had a lot of beers because I had nothing else to do. <laughs> what, did, what did you have a favorite? Like what what type of beers were you drinking? Did you have a mission when you were on this COVID on this COVID driven uh, uh, beer drinking? single man festival yeah i had i had to um i had to 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 up my game a bit i started by drinking ipas but 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 i needed something where i could sense a bit more the mm -hmm. uh, the mouthfeel and so on even though i lost part of my sense to, to taste uh, sugar so i just i just ended up drinking double ipas and i'm <laughs> and i'm and i'm i'm, I'm convinced it got me uh, to a, a healthy uh, place faster than than if i hadn't done that so that was that was at least something <laughs> look i i reckon that's great that's better health advice than a lot of people on spotify <laughs> just have um, a few beers and yes, write it out that, yeah that's it just get i i used there's a beer in australia called cooper's and there it's a bottle conditioned beer and there's a big chunk of yeast at the bottom i used to drink that when i had a sore throat because i thought that 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 yeast and the dead yeast cells would uh, and all the nutrients from that would help with my would with my sore throat i'm not yes. sure if it, it worked but gee it was good yeah i thought it was quite an enjoyable way to to ride out a sore throat so there you go that's my that's my medical okay, that's advice also solid advice <laughs> oh that's great yeah i'm i'm sure that there's some medical backing i'll i'll find a paper i will i'll go out there and google scholar will will rue the day i ever i ever came up with a theory <laughs> let's go back so uh, let's go back to what's what's really enjoyable this this kind of this composition of hops have you found it difficult through through COVID? I think we touched on this a little bit last time that you you visited. But have did you have you found it difficult kind of sourcing the hops and keeping that consistency with what what you're trying to do? Actually, actually not. Um, we can talk about malts, uh, but that could, could be mm -hmm. after this. Uh, um, what I'll say about the hops because uh, it actually hasn't been tough sourcing the hops. No, because. Um, mm. Because we have everything, or most, uh, most of the hops that we use, we have on contract, and and I guess uh, how how shall I phrase this? I guess the agricultural world, as in the plants and, and so on, they don't really care about Corona now, do they? So, so they just grow mm. <laughs> and and they get harvested and uh, still taste the same. So, um, or or it still tastes good, and there's. There was plenty of it, so 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 no, that hasn't been an, an issue. Not not that, and also since we have hops on contract, it means that the prices are locked. So so we didn't see any price increases. Whereas that is not mm. the same for malts that have increased roughly by thirty percent uh, across all suppliers. Wow! And yeah, and I did read about in the in uh, a few months back. I did read about the fact that okay. We were to expect price increases because of uh, logistics issues and all that stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, yeah. oh, okay, so maybe we'll see an increase between ah, five, maybe ten percent at the most, because yeah. that's a that's a steep increase, I'd say. Mm. But no, thirty percent. <laughs> Gee, that's a lot. 
Yeah. Wow, that's it's a lot. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. really a lot. So, so, so it hasn't been a problem sourcing hops nor, nor uh, paying uh, the right price for them, but uh, malts, that's a different story. I will say one thing though, this beer contains uh, Simcoe and um, Simcoe uh, 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 used to be everywhere uh, in, in, in almost uh, all beers. I mean, uh, some years ago, unscientifically, I'll just say five or six oh. years ago, or whatever. It was sure. a very popular up. It's, it still is. Um, yeah. uh, and, and more and more breweries have, have surfaced, have been created, at least in, 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 in Europe, um, over the course of the last five or six years. So I guess the, um, um, the demand for Simcoe has just increased. Uh, and we don't actually, we didn't actually have enough of this in our um, original or the, the hop contract that covered last year. So we had to source uh, some of the Simcoe hops from the mm. uh, from the hop spot market, you know, so you just ask a supplier, uh, or you tell them, uh, "Hello, uh, my name is Casper, and I need some some Simcoe, and I need it uh, stat, and what's the price for that?" Mm-hmm. And we uh, instead of paying uh, what was like twenty nine euros per kilo, so what is that in uh, in Australian? So that's like forty six Australian dollars. Yeah, about pretty easy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we would we we paid for just for the simple. We paid seventy seven Australian Euros. dollars on average oh, per Australian, kilo. Yeah, so that so was yeah, it was yeah. a crazy price increase. Twenty percent, so twenty percent. Yeah, and is that because uh, of the demand on the hops? Sorry, or is that because of the cost of yeah. shipping to you? So where are they coming from? Those ones when you get them, we're getting the the Simcoe from Washington State, mm-hmm. um, from a variety of growers, and 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 then they work with. Barth Haas that also go by the name of Simply Hops. Uh, and um, yeah, so we get it from them and my, and it's just because of the demand, David, is, is my take, just because many more brewers demand Simple. So that is, re- if you're looking to uh, speculate in, uh, in hop uh, uh, prices, then uh, Simcoe might be, uh, it's very volatile these days. <laughs> can, can you speculate in those things? Is there actually a market to do that? Uh, I guess, yeah, well, I guess de facto that some of the suppliers, they do that, you know, they buy a lot of it mm. and make sure that the availability in the market is is uh, as low as possible from other suppliers. And then they turn up the prices for the for the Simcoe they have in, in, in at their warehouses. Yes, I guess they de facto do this. What another one of our regulars? While we're on the hop questions, I really love this. One of our regulars has, has thrown in a question. I really love this. Crofty has asked. So, so he he listened to the. I I bumped into him before the podcast, but he listened to to it last time you're here. And you said you source most of your hops from Washington, and then pick up anything else on the spot market. Is that still the case? Do you do you, do you have your all your contracts in Washington and then just whatever happens on the spot market with anything else you need? Is that yeah. It used it used it used to be the case. That's true. Um mm-hmm. but because we want to and wanted to explore uh, more different hop varieties, yeah. uh we have um we have expanded a bit in the uh, in the supplier department so to say. So we get um we still get most of it from Washington State through simply hops, yep. and we also get some um, quite a few uh, different varieties. Uh, Strata uh, being like the, the the biggest one of the bunch from a company mm-hmm. called Crosby Hops, and they uh, 
buy from growers in uh, at a place called Willamette Valley. Yeah, Willamette Valley. Yeah. 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 It I'm used to be a big yes. wine. It's still a big wine area for, for the United States. Well, I'm, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So, so we have we work with with those guys. Uh, we work with guys called Brookhouse Hops for uh, for other uh, types of, of hops, and and then we buy hops from Germany and so on for specific beers. If we need some sars for a, a pilsner, we might not. We don't brew too many pilsners. Mm-hmm. Uh, while I do like the style a lot, uh, we don't brew them uh, every month. Um, not a, not currently anyway. So we don't need to have it on contract like the other ones because these beers require a lot of hops. And the amount of hops that go into a Pilsner is also significantly less. So it might be like five or 10 kilos in total. Whereas this one, uh, even of the same hop, whereas this one is like 35, 45 kilos of of the mix between Enigma, Citra and Simcoe. So... So, so no, so, so, but in short, that we, we, we used to get all the hops from Washington State, that's true, or most of them, mm-hmm. but, but now we have expanded uh, quite a lot, I'd say. So we have, we have five suppliers in total now. Yep, yep. Um, now, we normally, leave, we normally leave, like, the, the cool room questions, so the audience questions till the very end. But Jacob's got one which is really which nicely fits in here, and we might get him to ask it himself. Now, Jacob has been at an event that was run by one of our most popular beer uh, retailers in the city, um, Carwin Sellers. They did a special uh, pack which featured New Zealand hops, um, and Ooh. Jacob was part of that. He was a lucky little bastard. Um, Jacob, would you like to ask your question regarding? Uh, yeah, would you like to ask your question? Would you like to unmute yourself and ask the question? Yeah, I'm I'm good to go. Um, yeah, this event was only about four hours ago, so I'll see how I go. Uh, but yeah, basically they were featuring five different New Zealand hops through different brewers, and I was wondering about how your access to these hops might be. So these hops included, I'm going to probably butcher the words, but uh, the Motueka, the uh, Maltore, that was I was really struggling. The Nectaron, which is by far my favourite. Nelson Savon, which you'd know, and Waititi. Um, so, do you have much access to these, and how would you employ them in beers if you could get them, or you probably already do? Yeah, yeah, good question. Um, so, those those um, Nectaron, we don't uh, currently uh, have a relationship with, just because we've never worked with it. Um, but Nelson or Nelson Savon, as the full name is, and Motueka. Um, and also a hub called Rakau. Uh, we we get through uh, through this company called Brookhouse Hops, and they source them from New Zealand. So um, mm-hmm. so so we have those uh, on contract because we need them for some of our our beers. Um, we do a pale ale called Spirit Level that uh, contains Nilsson, for instance, and and Nilsson is also one of the hops that if you don't have it on contract and you need to buy it on the spot market, it's gonna be expensive. Um, and it used to be, uh, again, uh, my impression was that it used to be the most expensive uh, hop on the spot market a few years ago, Nelson, because everyone was using it. McKellar here in Denmark used it a lot. Um, so it was very expensive. But we get those New Zealand hops um, through our friends at, at a, it's called Brookhouse Hops. I think they're from the UK, but they source from New Zealand. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, and thanks, Jacob. Thanks for thanks for asking that question. And you butchered those those 
top names much less than we would have butchered those top names. So that's good. Can I, I dive in with a question there, Warren? I've got, I've got yeah, of course, a, I'd love you to. Yeah. A very left field question, which Casper may not, you may not have an answer for this one. I was reflecting before when you were talking about the different flavours that came through in the hops and the aromas and so forth. Are there any words in Danish or in other languages that you speak? In Australia, we pretty much only speak English. Are there words that you refer to and, like, is meaningful when you're trying to evoke a flavour um, oh, yes. that don't quite translate into English? And what would those words be? So in the beginning yeah, that's, experiencing or generally? That's actually a wonderful question, David, because the answer is, uh, the answer is yes, first of all. There are things that are hard to translate. And um, I have uh, wonderful employees from all over the world. Uh, my production manager is American. My head brewer is English. And uh, my brewer is from Greece. And I'm hiring another one from England as well. So, so we don't share the same language. Um, I, think, I think answering that question starts, for me, it starts somewhere else. It starts, it starts with actually learning how to describe taste and aromas because i think that's uh, in itself is a hard thing to do mm, for instance absolutely. um yeah for instance we used to dry hop uh by you know opening a bag of hops and then just pouring it into the uh, the, the fermenter um and we used to, to to sort of whirl it around using co2 like from the bottom and that's how we used ah. to dry hop um mm. yeah and that would create a very, uh, a wonderful hop expression, sure, but a very, and now I'm going to use words that I, that make sense to me, a very um, muddy uh, hop expression, uh, mm -hmm. sort of like, um, but not muddy in a bad way, but just muddy is the word that comes to mind. Whereas we, some time ago, um, eight months or so, uh, we, we acquired a, a hop rocket so that we can circulate hops in the hop rocket. And so what, what does it, what, what's a hop rocket for you? Talk about, so different it's people a, might use a, that phrase differently as well. It's also called a hop gun. While I think that that makes even less sense because it doesn't shoot out anything, uh, but uh, not not in the, the way that a gun does anyway. Um, <laughs> it's it's a circulation vessel, so it's like a a, 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 a two a cylinder of sorts um, that is able to circulate uh, whatever you put into it and and in short what we do is we attach a hose um from the from the fermenter to the hop rocket uh or rather to a pump and then to the hop rocket and then we start pumping out beer into the hop rocket that then circulates the beer with the hops in in it uh mm -hmm. and, and then it is uh, transferred back into the fermenter and it's a very gentle way of uh, of hopping. It's much more gentle than the than the CO two based way. Um, so uh, we use the same amount of hops. So it's not that, but it's just a very gentle way of doing it. And it actually so our dry hopping regime uh, changed from us just dumping the hops in the fermenter to us having that uh, hop rocket, as I call it, run for a typical amount of like anywhere between uh, four and nine hours, just doing the hop uh, circulation and recirculation thing. And about, and about the words we use to describe what things taste like. Um, I just said that the old way of dry hopping, um, for me, created a, a, a 
wonderful but uh, muddy expression mm. but with the hub rocket and this is also this doesn't make sense to 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 anyone else necessarily but to me with the hub rocket i now sense the hubs as sort of this like uh, yellow fruity golden glowing orb inside my mouth that's much more uh, silky and and smooth and not so so all over the place and muddy but uh, i'm sure that a uh, a real professional, a chef wouldn't wouldn't call it a a golden orb, but I don't know how else to describe it. No, and they're your words, and you're running this beautiful brew. Yeah, you, yes. it's your words. That's how I perceive it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but it's very interesting the the whole describing what what things taste like. That is that is an interesting field. I, I don't want to jump ahead, but I, I, I'll jump ahead a little bit because I've been looking at some of your labels and the, some of the ones that are on your website currently, and they have those same beautiful golden colours almost. Yeah. We call it the golden hour, you know, when you can take the best photographs, when the sun has gone down and uh, it just is this beautiful glow and colour in the, in the land um, and the wheat fields look beautiful and everything. It's, is that some of the same feelings you're trying to evoke when you make those those labels yes yeah it is um i like the sort of uh how should i describe this um you know dreamy esoteric i guess it's called in english um uh feel to things i like that a lot and um i also like the the, the connectedness with the land and the and nature and so on that's very that's very eel farm ish Yep. Uh, so, so while not everything is is a depiction of a landscape with, on our labels, um, I do want for our labels in general to have this sort of feel to them, this uh, dreamy nature-ish, uh, landscape-ish feel to them. Yeah, it's it's I like that a lot actually. Mm. It, it was like it's it's a very Australian summer feel that you have on some of those labels, the gold yeah. and so forth. In the, in the best, it's just night is coming yeah. and it's time to relax and the most beautiful colours come out of the skies and the land. Yes, I agree with you. And on that note, actually, uh, people say they love summer and so on. For me, September in Denmark is the most beautiful month ever because that's when you have the autumn colours uh, play with the autumn sun and everything is just golden and absolutely stunning. I love it. I think, I think and we're about to move on to the day glow and that label, that label very much evokes those, those colors and feelings. I think David's talking about kind of that, the, the kind of the orange sun splashing off water or, or yeah. And that, the kind of that glow, that yellow glow, which interplays with that. Um, yeah. Your labels are, are, are magical. I really love them. Um, and that's probably, that's probably a good point for us to start talking a little bit about the day glow and getting people to to move yes. on to that wonderful echo through to the day glow. Um, so so we're about to have uh, a completely different hop um, kind of a hop experience with with the day glow. Um, Simcoe is the one which which is that connective thread between the two. Uh, is what? Yeah. Why why is that the one which holds between these two why is that the one so you've yeah the enigma was the earthiness which which um 
you you're explaining the enigma is the earthiness yeah. of the of the echo where does the simcoe sit in both of these different expressions well simcoe to me anyway talking about taste yeah. and impressions um to me it's it's all about citrus passion fruit apricot and maybe a bit of a of, of berries in there and um that's sort of like the to me is sort of like the top layer in the taste impression that mm -hmm. i get which is simcoe um and um and we just really like uh, especially the the 2021 uh, harvest the crop year uh, the simcoe that came from that it's it's very it's very bright and aromatic and very citrusy and very uh yeah fruit forward i think so that's why we like to, to to keep that as the sort of star of the show um strata is a is a, is i was gonna say it's a new hop to us but i guess it kind of isn't because we used it all the way through 2021 um i think uh this is not a fair comparison but uh talking about like what's in the top layer and what's in the bottom layer i'd say that strata just might be the bottom layer of the hop expression of dayglow i think personally that strata gives it sort of a uh, this dankness to it it, mm -hmm. it gives it um and it's a it's a great uh, match for for simcoe it's kind of gives simcoe like more more of a I don't know a solid base to stand upon. Um, at least I think it does. Yep. Um, and uh, and then we have Asaka, uh, which uh, which which we first uh, uh, came to to learn about in late 2020 and got our hands on at the same time for the same reason. Um, and uh, well, I think Asaka just brings out this pleasant mix of of uh, tropical tropical fruits that are uh, dominated by by the by the citrus um mm -hmm. uh, so 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 yeah so so imagine like a top layer of the simcoe of, uh, which which brings out all the most of the tropical flavors and then the bottom layer of strata that at least when we use it for dry hopping i think it brings out a, a, a dankness to the beer and then asaka in the middle that that just ties it together yep. yeah um can i ask a question i don't want to be rude but it when you brew a beer like this, so you, you, you describe those flavours so beautifully. I love the way you talk about all that. Does it ever surprise you when the beer comes out or do you just go, that's what I thought it was going to do and that's worked perfectly? Uh, oh, no. If, 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 if some hops are harder to work with than others, I, I have to say, wow, that's definitely... A, a statement that's true and it goes for um we had the most um uh, I, I was going to say issues but let me use a different word we have been surprised the most by galaxy because that has really uh especially the 2020 uh, crop year was very different from uh, 2019 and the 2021 is very different from the 2020 uh, crop year so 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 we you so we can't always just assume we have this like matrix of of hops and tastes uh that we th think makes sense um and uh and some hops are just hard to place in there because you have to move them around all the time because they they behave differently from crop year to crop year um so so 
while some hops are pretty stable aroma and taste wise david it's not a that doesn't go for every single hop also sabro for instance is a hop that i feel develops a lot in the uh, over the course of of its uh, life in a can of beer uh, i think it really develops a lot it's it starts out by being super fruit forward uh having these like american craft beer uh fruity uh notes to it and it ends up being much more um, uh again describing a taste much more caramelized much more uh, uh, darker toned uh so so yeah in short uh hops uh you can't rely on how they taste or your previous notes necessarily. That's that's definitely uh, the situation. Sabro is a very contentious hob in Australia. There are some people who love it, some people who hate it with a passion. If they saw they saw Sabro <laughs> on a can, is that the same yeah. in Europe and Denmark? Is that like, or do people have more <laughs> yeah. open mind to it? There's not too many people either love or hate in Australia. You know, it's true. And I think it's the same. Uh, I think it's the same. And it's all, and again, I think it also depends on when people have uh, had Sabro. So, uh, so for instance, if you had it, as I just said, if you have it from a can or, or a keg or whatever, but from a beer that was just packaged like a week ago, then it's going to, to me at least, then it's going to still retain some of the, the fruity uh, flavors and stuff that I really like. But again, once it starts to mature, it will it will it will develop a lot uh, of of caramelized, dark melony character, and I think that also here uh, a lot of people like Sabro when it's young and fresh, and not so much when it is more mature. Mm. There we go. Um, David, did Casper answer the traditional Corum question last time he was on of what his favourite craft beer was? Well, yes, he did. So, well, we were a bit not his favourite. We, we last time we spoke, we spoke to Casper was in the context of Nomad. Go back and check out Series Three, Episode Twenty, and some of his formative beers from when he went to America and drank Arrogant Bastard and some of those kinds of beers. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess the question is now, one of our other regular questions is, particularly in a COVID context, if you'd go somewhere outside of your own brewery to go and have a beer, where would you like to go and have a beer today? Somewhere that you have very fond memories of. Excite us, you know, and make this attack attack stodge for me. (laughs) Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a cool, I'm going to have to say it's going to be a local, um, uh brewery because um because what corona did or rather what the lockdowns did in denmark was that it it kind of brought out a more locally oriented um mentality so so people would uh support local uh, places more uh we don't necessarily have a tradition of doing that in denmark like compared to the to the us where i've lived and worked where people are very community oriented and very community supportive we we don't necessarily have that culture in this country um not that we don't support each other but there is a difference uh, but that mentality came out during the lockdowns so so and also for me uh and of course i know all the danish breweries uh, and i knew them before the lockdown so it's not that 
but I didn't really, uh, because there are so many beers, wonderful beers in this world, and I can't drink all of them all the time. <laughs> so, so I got, uh, so the lockdowns was a way for me to kind of renew my relationship with a lot of the Danish brewers. And I think a brewery like, they're called Dry and Bitter. I think that they did and still do excellent uh, beers. They're really, really on point with the balance and the drinkability of a beer. And that resonates with me because I don't know if we, I can't remember if we talked about this the last time, but I'm not so much a fan of the more gimmicky styles of beers. I don't like drinking. Uh, you, you said last time, no lactose, for instance. Yeah, exactly. I think it's just, I, it, I can, you know, when you get beers that are that gimmicky, you can feel them all the way down your, your throat and it might, they might taste fun of a, of a banana smoothie or whatever, but after having half of one of those, you're, you're like full. Mm. So, so there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's just not for me. Right. And I think that because I, I like revisitability of a beer and I like the balancedness and, and, and everything else. And I think that the Danish brewery that's called dry and bitter, they're really good with that. So if I have to recommend just one brewery, that's not my own, <laughs> uh, then, uh, then it has to dry be them, I guess. Dry and bitter. I don't know why they're called dry and bitter because their beers are neither dry nor especially bitter. They're they're wonderful, but uh, but uh, but yeah. So how, I can how, about a, both. how about a place to drink? It doesn't have to be a brewery. It could just be in a park, or it could be. Is there is there somewhere that you remember just having a magic beer, like on a holiday or something, going, "Life is good. I'm in a special oh. place. And I've got the right beer in my hand." Uh, uh, to to me to me that's also a good question I'm much more um uh, to me everything is about um my mentality and how I feel not so much about the surroundings although the surroundings can of course greatly affect your mentality and how you feel but you no know, I just remember going for many uh, fantastic walks in the sun uh, with my uh, newborn uh, daughter Isabel and I would uh, have Instead of walking around with a cappuccino in the cup holder, I would walk around with a beer. And uh, yeah, that just brings back many fond memories of walking around in Copenhagen suburbia and just uh, enjoying life. Let's go on to, let's go on the day glow. Yeah, let's move on to the day glow proper and, and have that. Um, we've talked about the hops. Uh, it's, it's, it is is the hop something that is is new variety of hops and we've discussed it a little bit but yeah out out and out is it something that drives what you do when you find a new hop like the um uh the Azaka, which which features in this one and you found recently is this something are you then are you then driven to go all right let's let's go find it and let's work out what it is and and try to produce something with this does that does that push you you guys at our alpha yeah it definitely does um it's um i much like to compare it to uh, to not that i've ever been a chef but to being a chef and going to the uh, the local uh uh whatever fishmonger every morning and mm-hmm. seeing what's for sale and what's freshly caught today um and it's not that there's fish in our beer so you can don't don't worry about that <laughs> but why not no but it's <laughs> yeah why isn't there fish in your beer 
<laughs> yeah, why why not? Yeah, well, we, we just haven't gotten around to exploring that just yet. Um, mm-hmm. No, but no, but seriously, it's 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 our way of um of uh, f- follow, first of all following trends. Of course, that's our way of doing that because some pop varieties will become popular with beer drinkers, and hence we also need to have our take on those hop varieties in the form of a beer that that has them in it. Um, but also it's just genuine curiosity. It's just genuine curiosity. Like for instance, uh, Belma hops, how, how do they taste? Uh, we, we haven't worked that much with them. So how do they taste? It can also be a question of, um, of pellets because most of the uh, hops we use are in the, in the form of T90 uh, pellets or BBC. Bottle so what does that mean? I, I don't understand those terms. So can I, can I ask what that means? Yeah, it's a, it's um. So so the hop the hops are um the they look like you know if 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 you haven't seen them before dry hops uh, the way that we have them in the concentration that we have them in the bags are look like uh, the animal uh, uh, food I guess they look like yeah. rabbit yeah. food canine food um and. Uh, and they, they are these uh, small pellets of compressed hops that are compressed in a certain way and pelletized in a certain way so as to uh, give off the, the most flavor possible to, to the beer that they're used in. And, um, but there's not just one answer to how a pellet should look uh, in this world. There are many. So, so for instance, when you typically, typically with our beers, if they, for instance, if Dayglo just reads Strata, Anasaka, and Simcoe, then you can be sure that for us, and this is the true for, for most other breweries, that this is the this is a T90 pellet, which is just the, what it's called. Um the the the, the pellet the make, so to say, or the way to make them. Whereas um for instance, um Yakima Chief uh joined together with Boston Brewing Company. Uh, some years ago to develop another pellet type that was then named BBC, Boston Brewing Company. So when you see like, for instance, a beer that has uh, Chinook and Chinook BBC, it's the same hop, it's Chinook, right? But the one is going to be T90 pellets and the other is going to be BBC. So mm-hmm. it's, and there's a difference to how they look and how they're, um, how they're compressed. Do you get uh, different flavors out of them? Does one allow a different flavor expression? Yeah, 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 and that is something that, in general, um, we we get a more. Um, uh, I don't know if this is actually true in general. I just think that the BBC pellets are a bit more um, are a bit more earthy, uh, and they have more yeah i think they are that in general and and the t90 are a bit more because that's just a classical hop pellet to me so that's just fruit forward for all hops that are fruit forward but there's also so exploring new hops the reason why i mentioned these pellets is also that for instance now we have uh, beers with uh, pellets that are called lupo max mm. Mm. you yeah yeah so 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 then we might have uh, you know um, a beer that has Simcoe in it and Simcoe BBC and Simcoe, Simcoe Lupo Max. Mm. So that's another sort of, of pellet. So, so exploring hops is a matter of, or has become a matter of not just uh, sourcing new hops that we haven't tried working with before, but also sourcing new, um, 
new pellet types uh, that that have that come uh, that enter the market. So so that's very exciting and and the current matrix of tastes uh, in impressions or expressions rather that we have for hops it doesn't really support the the, the pellet types. So I have to I have to expand that uh, <laughs> at some point. It's 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 very interesting. It really really is. Can I ask if I met with my friends tonight and I see whatever it might be, Simcoe Normal, Simcoe BBC, Simcoe Lupomax, Lupomax, and I've, I've got to convince them that each of those three things means something. Do you think you could describe the different flavours that you get out of each? Or is it, like in Australia, sometimes that has put things on a label to make it look cool? Yeah. I think sometimes I can when I stand in the brew room and I smell the, the different types. Yeah. Yes, sure, but but in but in the finished beer, I find it to to be completely honest with you, David. I find it harder to distinguish. Um, I but I think so. So Barth Haas, they have the or simply hops, but in the form of Barth Haas is this project. Um, it's related to them. They have a project called Barth Haas X, which is like this uh, hop um, development slash experimentation program that breweries can can enter, I guess, or they can work with Barth Haas uh, on this program. And um, and uh, and what has come out of that so far is um, we're in the program right now, and we're looking to 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 get access to some different. Uh, First of all, new varieties, but also new new uh, new types of pellets and so on. But other breweries that uh, have worked with them before have, for instance, Frau Gruber, which is a German uh, brewery. Mm, we've had they, the, they worked with, with them. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They worked with them um, with Bath Haas, the X program to create single hopped beers using, for instance, Lupo Max or Cryo hops or whatever. Mm-hmm. And when you taste those, when they're single hopped. Then I can tell you there's definitely a difference between the between the uh, between the hops. Good answer, I understand. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but but to be completely honest, when when everything is mixed into one bag, and I have it at a bar somewhere, I can't necessarily tell you that. Oh wow, the Lupomax really shines here. No, <laughs> I can't. But I presume they charge you more for the Lupomax. Is why I'm sort of asking what you mentioned. Ah. <laughs> no, the price would be roughly the same. At least it is for us. Ah, because yeah, the the all right. So we, uh, last time we spoke about Lupomax and yeah, in that particular expression, the idea was you could use half of the amount. To, who was saying that, David? I can't remember. We, you could use half the amount uh, and to, for the same amount of punch. Because could have been Deep Creek or one of those, I think. Yeah, I reckon it was, yeah. And they, they said you could use half the amount because they'd give you twice the punch because they had twice or three times the level of... Uh, of um, uh, definitely three times the level of alpha acids, but three times the amount of level. We are going so far off track... And while Warren considers how we managed to get so far off track, we'll hear from one of our friends and have a little break. Hello there, it's Damien Gibson, former host of the podcast you're listening to right now. Fortunately, being an ex-podcast host is not my only credit anymore, as I have a new podcast called Agents of Narrative, 
It's an arts preview and review show where I play new songs and review the latest in films and TV shows. I also bring you long-form interviews with comedians, artists and musicians. Uh, That's Agents of Narrative, available for download and streaming on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. I would say, mm. we'll get back to taste the synthesis, an imperial stout with coffee and vanilla. Casper, I think this is the first time we've had a beer like this in our tasting packs from you. You might bring them to Australia occasionally. This is a big beer, mate. Yeah, it is. It's a solid offering, I'd say. And, and yes, it's, a, it's not what we brew the most of imperial stouts i certainly like them nonetheless but uh but it's uh i wouldn't say it's a rarity but 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 we don't brew that that many of them that's true and this one is uh is synthesis so this is actually our sort of base stout imperial stout uh, recipe that is garnished with a bit of coffee and a bit of vanilla only a hint of vanilla um but so 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 yeah i think just jumping right into things, I, I I do like a good base imperial stout, one that is just a stout because I like the multi roasty flavors that are brought out, and I like the it's a good winter warmer, especially during yeah during right now because it is winter in Denmark. Um, so and and I'm not necessarily a fan of too many adjuncts in an imperial stout. That was really a, a trend some years ago. Uh, but I'm not the biggest fan of it. That being said, this one does have coffee in it, a bit of that, and a bit of vanilla, just a just a touch, just a hint. Um, which I, and which I, I don't think of as your thing. It's exactly what you said. I, if you'd have said Casper is making an imperial stout, I would have thought it wouldn't have coffee or vanilla. So why did you do? Yeah. What, what do you think those things add? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, you yeah you you might not have expected that, but. The addition of the two is, is has been done with the utmost care and respect for the for the base beer. Um, so when I really just think that that they do complement the base beer um, so much so that it that it makes for a for a greater whole. Um, it's it's not too much coffee and it's not definitely not too much vanilla. I think um, so. So it's just an imperial stout from our hands with a bit of a kick. Because I have to admit, I also really enjoy drinking coffee, so uh, so uh, so so I don't necessarily mind that in a stout. <laughs> Could I, so Melbourne is a coffee city. Like if All there's right. one thing that we do, it's coffee. <laughs> okay. If you, if you, made, if you made this beer in Melbourne, you would need to go to a cool coffee house. Where, where do you get your coffee from? Do you make it yourself? Do you? Is there a good place in you know? Where do we get it from? We, um, yeah, we get it. We get it from uh, from a, from a company that's like local Copenhagen roastery called, well, very aptly named uh, Roast Coffee. Um, very imaginative. Uh, I like it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's very descriptive. Um, <laughs> no, they're really wonderful people. Uh, roast Coffee, and um, first of all, they brew excellent coffee if you swing by their place. But they also well, of course, they roast uh, excellent uh, coffee, and they just—they just really, they really know what they're doing. And we we particularly like what what they what they roast for us. So we had a small tasting of different of coffees from different 
suppliers and and yeah we just chose roast coffee because we we like their approach and of course we like the coffee so so yeah so and this beer is is cold brewed with coffee so it's not we don't um there are different schools i guess or approaches more more just that different approaches to to how to make a, a coffee beer some breweries brew really really strong cups of or pots rather pots of coffee that they then pour into the to the to the tank you can do that for sure absolutely whereas other breweries use these um uh bags what are they called uh what are they even called in danish but you know these sort of uh, food grade bags that are that that allows for sort of pores yeah. yeah these like lightly brown uh, bags uh, I I'm searching for the word even Danish Vellipols I think uh, whatever but but we um we cold brew the, the 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 coffee in the tank using these these bags that we then well yeah we 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 lower them into the tanks and then we we fix them to the um to the to the lid or rather the handle of the lid just using uh, pieces of of string and then it just hangs there and uh, and sort of a uh, makes coffee magic in the fermenter and that's uh and it brings out a really nice uh um a really nice coffee flavor i think to 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 the beer um we use uh we don't we don't grind the coffee on beforehand so so not for this one anyway we just we just sink the the beans themselves into the uh into the tank in the in the bag um I have to look up what that word is, um, but anyway, and it makes for a very, I think, a very smooth uh, coffee expression. Whereas, I think personally, if you brew very strong pots of coffee and pour them into the to the tank, that gives a um, uh, a more harsh. It almost more, burns on the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so I like this method better because it's uh, more gentle. Could I pick up on that point and say the same thing about the vanilla, which for me is only in the best way, only just coming out of the end of the mouthfeel. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. not an overpowering flavour. It's possible if you said to me after a couple of beers, does this beer, you know, name me the flavours, I wouldn't pick vanilla. No. If you no, told true. me it was in there, then I can go, oh, yes, I can taste that. No, this is true. It's um, it's also just because vanilla can be very overpowering. It's um, and with vanilla, um, I have to admit, I just, I rather want to be safe than sorry, because it can really be overpowering. Mm. Um, there are also uh, breweries that are known for making uh, IPAs with vanilla in them, and while it's a, while it is a, a, a fun and interesting and and tasty uh, addition. I think it's so easy to go overboard with it that I'd much rather, uh, what do you say, play it safe, <laughs> and then have it have it be like sort of an underlying thing that emerges as the beer in in question here synthesis as it warms up. You can sense more of the vanilla, but it's never something that uh, hits you straight in the face because um, that would be too much. Can can I ask why you make the lager? which I find fascinating. Is it to show off to your brewer friends or is it, why do you make that style if you think it's not going to probably sell as much as double IPAs, which I imagine sell out pretty quickly? Yeah, they do. And lagers don't sell as fast. So that's a fact. 
So, so why do you make a lager? Just so yeah, you, 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 you can. <laughs> there is a lot of, at least for us, I can only speak for ourselves, of course, this wonderful little brewery. Um, there is truth to the fact that lagers are brewed, at least at Ale Farm, because the brewers like to brew them. There is truth to that. They like to brew them and they like to drink them. Um, and, uh, and I don't know of any brewers that uh, have a preference for just brewing uh, imperial triple-fruited triple uh, sour uh, gozes or whatever. That's not the typical uh, favorite style for these brewers I know. It's more down the lines of a solid IPA and the lagers. So there is, there is truth to breweries releasing lagers because they simply just like them themselves. Uh, and and for us well of, co of course that's a part of it but it is also actually because of the fact that we have gained much more foothold in Copenhagen meaning that our beers are served at many more bars after the after the after everyone could see that we were reaching the end of this lockdown corona period and everything we had a sort of a a burst of interest from from new bars and and places in Copenhagen and and their typical order will be for okay let's get your house ipa uh, and let's get another ipa and maybe another ipa and then a double ipa but we also need a lager so we kind of need in order for us to make the sale to to these bars we kind of need to have a lager also mm -hmm. so i guess in a way it is the year of the lager at least in terms of sales because they do help uh broaden our portfolio and hence uh, help us uh, gain more traction with with new customers and i do like a good lager but um i also like uh, a good double ipa <laughs> <laughs> i think i think we'd agree on all of those fronts i mean it, but it's interesting to hear that those sort of sun trends emerge and i mean it's funny you know we don't know in melbourne what a danish bar looks like or what a pub looks like and whether that's a venue for 50 people or a venue for a thousand people. And we have yeah. all those things in the city of Melbourne. Uh, yeah, well, we don't we don't have any place where where you can fit a thousand people. It's um I guess okay, if painting a broad picture, uh um we don't have the 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 sort of traditional English style themed pubs and bars uh, at a lot of places. Um, we have more um, bars that are an expression of the Scandinavian new Nordic design trend, you know, with uh, white walls and, 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 and lights and, and, uh, and light colors uh, where, you, where you sit around tables and, and, and have your beer. So it's not, it's, not, it's not a lot of dark wood, while that is certainly cozy. Um, it's, it's more light. In general, the, the Danish design style in terms of furniture and so on. And that spills over into how a typical Danish bar looks. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. So, so, so a typical Danish bar is usually smaller. It can fit anywhere between oh, yeah, 40 to uh, 100 people. Um, and, uh, and it usually is uh, the interior design is usually to the lighter side, so to say. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say that. Mr. Warren Wu, I'm going to hand over to you to do the uh, audience questions. 
Yeah, thanks, David. Um, so I've got five questions from the three that you needed, <laughs> but they're all cracking. So screw it. We're going to ask a whole bunch of questions, starting with Jacob's question uh, or two questions. But if, yeah, I'm pretty okay. sure. Thanks for in indulging me. I feel a bit spoilt. But um, this first one, I'm hoping Casper uh, doesn't feel this is a bit of a stupid or naive question. But in terms of the Baltic Porter or Stout, do you feel this is a beer style for you or is this a regional style for you? Because you're right on the end of that. Yeah, well, um, I, I definitely have. A, 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 I feel like it's a regional style to us, yes. Uh, and about lagers, it is actually, a, as you probably know, it is actually a lager, you know, and we just, um, we just, at least the one we, we brewed, because we just brewed a Baltic Porter, and we used lager yeasts for it, um, and we just, uh, just, it's a, it's a month and a half ago, um, we poured it into barrels for barrel aging, so, so that's, that's really exciting, and we brew that style because uh, we like it, first of all, but also because it has a certain uh, it's surrounded by tradition, I'd say. Yes. Okay, so my second question is very quickly. It's just in terms of the coffee beers. So in my experience, the best coffee beers reflect the best coffee going in. And so how did you select your coffee to go into your beer? And side note, I'm actually quite impressed you just went with coffee beans. I don't see that as often. Yeah, no. Um, so so we, did, we, did, um, we did a cold brewed, uh, or rather they did, um roast did a cold brew uh, 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 uh tasting for us where we where we tried the different coffees and um and what what came from that was first of all uh, and i'm not that much into coffee brewing i don't know that much about it so if anyone knows more feel free to correct me if i say something that's wrong but what what we were we were told was that um brewing the or cold brewing uh, in our tanks using whole um, coffee beans um, will make for a more gentle taste that is more uh, with the with the coffee we chose that is more berry forward because the taste of the of the of the of the red berries from the coffee we chose it's a Brazilian coffee it's called Soro Cabana I think um, I, yeah no no but the the, the berry flavor of the coffee bean uh, resides on the on the outer part of the bean whereas the more bitter uh, coffee taste that you sort of I don't know associate coffee with mm -hmm. is comes from the, the center the, the stem of the coffee bean so we were um, we were advised to uh, to not grind uh, the coffee but to to try to cold brew it using uh, as much as possible whole beans to to give off a flavor that is more berry forward and less um as as you know with less acidity than mm -hmm. than a regular ground cup of coffee would otherwise uh, generate Casper, yeah. Casper, how long does the coffee sit in the brew in the fermenter in the, yeah the whole 20, time is there a, yeah no 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 roughly 20 24 hours okay something sure. like that yep. yeah yeah what and, and and hold on at fermentation temperature. So you're talking like uh, how many degrees is it sitting in the tank? Twenty, roughly. Oh, yeah. Yep. 
And twenty, and I'm talking Celsius. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. So are we. Yes, yes. Yes. We're not. We're, yeah. We're not like those other weirdos. Um, no, we <laughs> think Celsius. Yes. <laughs> uh, Crofty, you're next. Another coffee question. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's it's all about the coffee. Um, I I I've noticed using it myself. Um, coffee can quite often come across pretty harsh in a beer, and it completely unbalances it. Um, especially when I've had some some odd coffee lagers and the whatnot that are just like an Italian lager with coffee added. Um, do you do you actually do anything to adjust the the spec malts or other malts in your grist to compensate for the rose characteristic that the coffee brings um, when you steep it in the uh, fermenter? Yeah, it's a good. That's a very good question. Um, had we not uh, had the approach that we had here, the answer would be a solid yes. But because of uh, what we were, or what I was told about um, how to extract the, the berry flavor from the coffee more than the bitterness from it, um, we actually didn't uh, stray too far off the, the, the base uh, imperial stout recipe uh. path, so to say. Uh, so, so that's 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 potentially the main reason for using the whole bean rather than actually a uh, ground bean, so that you're actually yeah. extracting the berry aspect as well as the 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 roasted characteristic. I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, so that, okay, that that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, yeah. But but it still tastes of coffee, of course. But it tastes but absolutely. absolutely it was, to, to me, it was a complete revelation to experience coffee that tasted like that. I have never before we did this uh, had a had a taste of a cup of, co- cup of coffee that tasted so much of of red berries. It was a revelation to me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I am getting the red berry aspect kind of of the coffee bean. Yeah. Now that now that you mention it as it as it warms up, so that's um that's good to know because that's um. That's I've never heard of anybody using whole beans in like steeping it in the fermenter, basically. No, no, yeah, no. But uh, but uh, yeah, you can, you can you can do it actually. Yeah. Are you are you are you concerned about um contamination with anything that might be on the coffee bean? I guess they've been roasted, so everything's been killed off in the roasting process. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes, but otherwise you would be totally right. Yes, yeah. that, that's a, that's totally right. It's also sometimes people ask me, oh, why don't you just pull? I have some strawberries in my garden. That would taste great and stuff. But you have to ex- explain to people uh, that that's wonderful, but that is not possible because of what you are saying here. Uh, so, so that's something to be at all times extremely aware of. Um, next up. James had a question. Uh, yeah, James, have you unmuted yourself? And yeah. yeah, let's go with yours. Yeah, thanks, Warren. And thanks, Casper. Thanks for giving us your time and also for sharing these delicious beers. They're, they're quite something. And what I wanted to ask was what you mentioned before. You had a like a really tight network of people around you that you're engaged with in you know local brewing. And I wondered if you'd worked with them on collabs or if people have come at you with uh, collaborative ideas and if those are things that you're thinking about in the future. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So 
so in general collabs have been a bit uh, challenged by by the by the circumstances that you all <laughs> know of that we all have been nomad last year oh, yeah. yeah and and i, and I was uh, i was uh, expected to go there but uh, yeah as you all know that kind of fell through the yeah, everything because we couldn't travel and all that stuff that being said collapse to me um james is a, is a wonderful way to to uh, to not just work with other brewers and share um uh, experiences and approaches and everything else it's also a way to to i like i like collabing also with other companies and suppliers and people rather than just breweries because with this whole coffee story that just goes to to, to show that wow there is much to learn and and we may not be we are not world champions in in brewing coffee nor understanding it so this collaboration was really fruitful for especially for us because we learned so much about it uh, so in general i think collabs between breweries is a wonderful way to 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 share experiences and insights um, but i also like to take it a bit further and do collaborations with with restaurants and and yeah, coffee roasters and whatever else comes next because that we also learn a lot from that at least i do excellent yeah i like the idea of, yeah and it sounds very much like you guys casper to go outside of just simply other brewers to do to do um uh collaborations with yeah it, it sounds very yeah there's something that makes a lot of sense with your brand and your your yeah, what you guys do um shannon's got a question about hop contact uh next um shannon did you want to throw in your question yes warren um thanks casper for your sharing your time and your beers with us tonight um i picked up real early in the conversation you mentioned hop contracts earlier today and i'm intrigued as to how that kind of works it seems a bit foreign to things that might happen here and i'm um, I mean, it might occur, but I'm, I just haven't really heard of it. But is that something because of the distance you are from everywhere, or you kind of get locked into what you need to use and whatever? And what kind of impact does that have on you know the beers that you make? Good question, uh, Shannon. And, and yes, uh, I would say on an overall scale, yes, it does uh, have a lot to do with general availability of hops in our local area because that is zero no one grows hops on a on an industrial scale in, in denmark you can't buy danish hops because they're not they're not grown anywhere so um i mean some enthusiasts might might brew them in their back garden for home brewing so but that's that's different right um so yes it has to do with securing availability of hops uh, that are not available to us locally uh, or from local suppliers that's that's definitely it and also um hub contracts are also put in place to it's a way of us to first of all secure an amount of hops for instance 660 kilos of strata over the course of one year uh, could could be a thing for instance um because we'll we know that okay if we have to brew this beer and this beer and this beer during this year we need this and this and this amount of hops this particular uh hop uh, variety for these beers um and in order for us to avoid having to buy those from the stock 
the stock from the spot market, then we have to get them on contract. Um, so the relationship is, is sort of like this. There are local growers of hops many places in the world, in Germany and New Zealand and, and England and in the United States. Um, and they sell off their hops to brokers that are typically Yakima Chief, uh, Bath Haas or Simply Hops, Brookhouse Hops, Crosby Hops, whatever else they're called. And then those brokers make available to breweries these uh, hops um, in certain amounts and with certain price levels. And it's, uh, it's rarely possible for us to buy hops directly from growers because typically they will have a relationship as in you know a contract with a um, broker that they need to sell the hops to. So it's kind of just the way that the system is. And so in order to get access to certain types of hops, we need to have them on contract um, for, for the prices to not explode or simply just to, to be sure that we can get the, the, the hop type that we need because sometimes they might be sold out on the spot market. So, yeah. Thank you. That's a, uh, Damo pointed out in the chat there that that actually does happen here as well. It's a pretty normal thing, um, but it's really good to get that insight into how that actually works. Thank you. Great answer. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, and finally, Damo, I love this question because we had this question recently when we spoke to uh, one of our German um, brewing friends. But yeah, uh, Damo, you're... Yeah. Go. Yeah. Hey, Casper. Um, thank you for joining us. Just a quick question. The We've seen in uh, Australia the non-alcoholic beer market really take off and a lot of craft breweries uh, start to make them, struggling initially to you know deal with the yeast and stuff. Um, is there, I know that in, in Germany there's a, always has been for a long time a massive non-alcoholic beer market. Um, how's the non-alcoholic beer market going in Denmark and especially for craft breweries? Are any of them starting to make non-alcoholic beers? That's also a good question, Demo. Um, it's definitely something that we are encouraged to do by, um, by beer drinkers um, and, and also by bigger breweries that are, that are letting us know that this is a market that is uh, in development, in, that is growing, simply. The um, thing is that I can't speak for everyone. Um, I mean, all the breweries. In, in Denmark, but I might I might just uh, I think I think most brewers will will agree with me when I say that that it's a two sided thing a question for us. One side is as as micro breweries that don't produce a lot of beer um, uh, that have uh, limited resources and everything else, we just really like to brew beers that we like to drink ourselves, and for the most part, those beers. I don't know how else to say it besides the fact that they do contain alcohol because we, we like the effect that it also brings. Um, so, so, so yeah, and I think most of us are, are just not done exploring beverages with alcohol in them just yet. The other thing is that in terms of the processes and, and, and what, what can potentially be required in order to brew a, a beer without alcohol in it, we, we don't really... Uh, it's uncharted territory for Danish microbreweries. It really is. 
No one has experience with it really. Some of us know of this yeast type from a supplier called Christian Hansen that is said to not produce alcohol or at least very low amounts of it. So have you experienced using that? Any experience? And, and people will say, no, we haven't really put that to use yet and so on and so forth. So it is uncharted territory for, for Danish microbreweries. And partly because we don't, no one has experience from, from previous workplaces or anything with it. And, and it's, it's uncharted territory, partly because, again, I think most of us are not done exploring uh, beer with alcohol in it. So, yeah, I think that's the, that's the situation. I think that's a beautiful phrase, a beautiful sort of sentiment to finish off on, Warren. Unless yeah, you, yeah. no, I think was. that's a, that. That was a great bunch of audience questions, and and Casper did a great job at um, navigating all those. That was a marvel. That was yeah, great insight. Uh, I've I've loved tonight. I am a fanboy, unashamedly. I love the way you talk about everything that you do, from mm. flavors to techniques to the scientific processes that sit behind them, to the design of the cans. Um, I think you're one of the most all-round, you know, best people who are involved in the alcohol industry in the world, mate. I think it's as simple as that. Um, Thank you, David. Thank uh, you so I, much. I was so excited you agreed to come back. And maybe, maybe we can do something. We will send you some beers from Australia and you yeah. can come on and talk to those brewers about about that. Oh, yeah, that'd be cool. That sounds nice. Yeah. I'd be up for that fun. for sure. That sounds like fun. Yeah, good idea. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. We've, we've been very lucky. We've had a whole lot of Danish people who have been excited to come on and join the Facebook page, and I hope that sort of translates to people listening to the podcast. It looks like it does. Um, every time that we do one of these podcasts, you get to stick around afterwards. Uh, but I imagine... Where you are right now, this must be bedtime for you, mustn't it? <laughs> what time is it over there? In, in... No, it's it's actually um, uh, 11.56 a.m., so it's noon. Ah, oh, so, it, so it's my bedtime. It's 10, it's yes. 10 p.m. <laughs> it's, it's, it's your bedtime. Or not yet, David. You can stay up for an hour more. I, I will absolutely. I've been drinking the coffee beer. I'm not going to go to sleep for a while. I'm going to press stop on the record and then we can all do whatever we like and there'll be no record of it whatsoever. <laughs>